Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry. During his ministry, Witness Lee emphasized the experience of Christ as life and the practical oneness of the believers. He was unbending in his conviction that God's goal is the body of Christ. Through his messages, he stressed the importance for us to grow in life and to function as Christians so that the body can build itself up. We're happy to bring you recorded portions from his ministry today, along with some of our own thoughts. And we welcome your comments and questions. You can reach us toll-free at 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. Now let's join today's program. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul, anticipating his possible martyrdom, declared, But I consider my life of no account as if precious to myself, in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I have received from the Lord Jesus, to solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God. For I did not shrink from declaring to you all the counsel of God. This was God's foremost apostle, the one in whom God had committed the ministry of the age. And yet he found himself in such extreme persecution that he feared he would not be spared to continue. What brought about such a dramatic moment in his magnificent ministry? Well, stay with us as we find out on today's Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry. This program features the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two servants of Christ who, like the Apostle Paul, remained faithful to the heavenly vision. We will hear Witness Lee today from 1984 speaking about this heavenly vision and the sufferings that often await those that faithfully give themselves to it. Ron Kangas is with us once again as we move farther along in our exploration of the marvelous book of Acts. Welcome back, Ron. Good to be here, and I'm thankful for the opportunity to enter into the fellowship on the particular content of this message. Ron, we're going to have another look today at the Apostle Paul. But let's just take a moment here and talk a little bit about Brother Watchman Nee and his fellow laborer, Witness Lee, because we're going to see some of the trouble and persecution that Paul experienced as a result of his unwillingness to compromise with the truth of the heavenly vision. And what about Watchman Nee and Witness Lee in the last century? Are there any similarities in the pattern that is revealed by their lives? Yes, there are. Definite similarities, which are, you could say, in keeping with the suffering that the faithful, seeking servants of the Lord have endured throughout the centuries. And uh, historically, the sufferings have been both from the world, uh, the political system, an ungodly world government, but especially, and this would be my emphasis, from organized, formal religion that, in its blindness, is actually resisting God and opposing God. So surely, Brother Watchmani in China suffered from this. But I know firsthand, especially from the years 1974 into 1997, 
how Brother Witness Lee suffered repeatedly attacks, rumors, false accusations, misrepresentations, not from secular society, certainly not from any human government, at least in the West, but from religion. Paul realized sufferings, persecutions awaited him. He may not have known exactly when and how they would have come, but he realized the capacity of the religious system to persecute, but he was prepared because he was burdened to fulfill his ministry, to finish his course faithfully. He had no regard for preserving his soul life. His one desire was to be faithful to the Lord. And this too characterized Watchman Nee, who was imprisoned unto death, and Witness Lee, who was faithful unto death. They walked absolutely, obediently, in the light that God gave them from the Word. They ministered the Word without compromise, and their living was a testimony to the Word they conveyed to us. We're going to join Witness Lee for a fellowship regarding Paul's intimate relationship and interaction with the brothers, the elders from Ephesus. Here's Witness Lee. Verse 18. And when they, the elders, came to him, he said to them, You yourself know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you all the time, serving the Lord as a slave with all humility, and tears and trials which came upon me by the parts of the Jews. How I did not shrink, declaring to you all the counsel of God. This tells us in those three years what he taught. In those three years, he didn't uh, shrink from declaring to the saints in Ephesus anything that was profitable and to teach you publicly and from house to house. And this indicates even that Paul's time, still the whole meetings were going on. He not only taught in the bigger meeting place publicly, but also he did this teaching from house to house. And this indicates at that time the churches did have the uh, small meetings in all the houses, besides the big meetings in a public place, solemnly testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, repentance unto God, and faith in our Lord Jesus. Again, I say, he used the word testifying. Testifying means what? means that he himself has experienced the repentance unto God and the faith in the Lord. Then he testified what he had experienced. It is not just can teaching, not just can preaching, but it is testifying what he has passed through. He has experienced repentance unto God and the faith in the Lord. And now behold, I am going bound 
in the spirit to Jerusalem. He realized the trouble was waiting for him. He realized in his spirit. In Paul's personal fellowship here with the elders from Ephesus, he gives some details of the extended period of time that the Lord granted him to spend with the church in Ephesus. One of the things that we see is that his teaching and testifying took place both from house to house and in public. This seems to indicate that the early church life had both of these components, the small groups gathering in homes and then the larger public meetings. What about today? Do these elements have a place in the nature of the church life? Whether or not they have a place in the practice of the church life today depends on whether or not the believers are faithful to the scriptural way to meet and to serve. I wouldn't say that in the New Testament you have a rule book or a systematized method of how the believers would meet, but clearly the practice is recorded and the principles are presented. The saints met in homes from house to house. Paul addressed epistles to the church meeting in the house of a certain saint or a certain couple. Also, as Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians, there are times when the entire church would gather together in one place. So regarding the location of the meetings, the New Testament pattern is in homes, in smaller groups, obviously, and in some kind of facility that would accommodate the entire church. I would add one other matter. The way of meeting in the New Testament was radically different from the usual way of meeting among most Christian denominations today. In the New Testament, there was no clergy-laity system. There was no special class. All the believers were considered brothers, members of the body, and the principle of their gathering was mutuality. So in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul established the principle, each one has. You come to the meeting with something to contribute. These are some of the elements of the New Testament practice concerning church meetings and the elements that may or may not be followed today, depending on how absolute the believers are in wanting to follow the way ordained by God. Ron, you made reference to this tender and intimate relationship and interaction that we see particularly at the end of chapter 20. And of course, what brought about this condition at the end of their time together was the fact that the Apostle Paul really felt that this could be the end that he was going to Jerusalem, and he did not know what awaited him. This is the focus of our next section. Let's join Witness Lee once again. In a good sense, Paul had nowhere to go. He went to Asia, the Jews were there. He went to Macedonia, the Jews were there. He went to Achaia, the Jews were there. He went back to his homeland, more Jews were there. All these gophers, scorpions, all around the Mediterranean Sea, waiting to get him. So how could he not be bound? Where he should go, and where he could go, 
Nowhere. You have to realize the situation. He didn't stir up such a situation by his being bad, evil. No. He stirred up such a situation by his being faithful to God's New Testament economy. By his obedience to the heavenly vision that he has never disobeyed. Just because he was so faithful, so faithful to the vision that he has received concerning God's new economy. So he stirred up such a kind of universal opposition. Sorry to say, James never stirred up such a thing. Peter never stirred up such a thing. Because one is compromising all the time, and the other somewhat weak. Actually, such a situation should have been stirred up by Peter already, no doubt. Peter suffered. But you have to realize Peter's suffering was purely from the outsiders. But Paul's suffering, not only from the outsiders, but plus some insiders. Even picking the truth. I do believe if you read Galatians chapter 2 carefully, you could see both James and Peter became a pain to Paul. These two top ones among all the Christians at that time became pains to Paul. James was a real pain. And Peter was a pain to Paul all the time. Paul was suffering. Yet Paul tried his best not to offend them, but in writing Galatians, Paul was frank. Paul told the receivers that he rebuked Peter. Peter didn't need that rebuke if he was faithful. If he was faithful, he would have heard a great part of Paul's suffering. Don't think I'm belittling Peter. It was hard to stand in Jerusalem against that heavy Judic atmosphere. You see, when Paul went back the last time, even he himself got subdued. Not too long. Just recently. You see, the book to Romans was written recently. And the book to Galatians was written recently. How could you write those two epistles to the Gentile believers, yet you came back to Jerusalem, you got subdued? To stay in the temple for seven days, waiting the praise to come to offer something for you? Paul, where are you? It was hard. Ma, the atmosphere was too strong and too heavy. Nearly no human being can stand it. No wonder Peter and James got defeated. As long as Peter didn't do anything, that indicates he got defeated. As long as uh, James was that compromising, he got defeated. He got subdued. A strong word there. James said, Ah, oh, Brother Paul, look, tens of thousands of believers in the Lord Jesus, they are all zealous for the law. It's terrible. So Paul was in a hard situation. 
You can read his heart. He said,、uh, "Now, behold, I'm going bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing what I will meet with there. Not knowing. Actually, he knew already, because he was warned by the Holy Spirit. Twenty two. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testified to me in city after city." Saying that bonds and afflictions await me, but I consider my life of no account, as if it were precious to myself, in order that I may finish my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus, to solemnly testify the gospel of the grace of God. Because this is. The large New Testament move in propagating the rhetoric of Christ through the gospel, and now behold, I know that you all, among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom, will see my face no more. I believe Paul was anticipating his martyrdom. Well, Ron, there are a number of significant points that we could touch on, but let's begin with Paul. He did not go out of his way; it seems to stir up trouble. It just seemed to be the spontaneous result of his faithfulness in proclaiming the truth of the vision that the Lord had brought him into. Does this kind of faithfulness usually lead to the same kind of result? It really is inevitable, because there's an enemy. Satan, the devil, that opposes God, God's will, God's purpose, and God's move in the present age. So, in whatever way he can, he will try to resist, to persecute, to attack, to damage, to ruin, to corrupt, and to destroy. So, simply by proclaiming. The whole counsel of God, which Paul did for three years in Ephesus, that eventually has a powerful effect on the spiritual realm. So in Ephesus, eventually there was a huge riot that went on for hours for no cause, indicating the cause was in the supernatural realm. So yes, depending on the environment. And on the nobility of the people involved, the proclaiming of the whole counsel of God, especially the truth concerning God's economy, God's purpose, the building up of the church as the body of Christ, the preeminence of Christ, the oneness of the body of Christ, the body of Christ expressed as local churches, one per city, things like this do not. Usually set well with the professional clergy class and with systematized organized religion. So the byproduct of proclaiming the truth will always be various levels and degrees of opposition, mainly from the religion of organized Christianity. Ron, let's join Witness Lee for our final portion today. Wherefore I testify to you on this day that I am clean from the blood of all men, for I did not shrink from declaring to you all the counsel of God. A great word. 
he taught these things to those dear saints in Ephesus. Take heed to yourself and to all the flock, that means the entire church, among whom the Holy Spirit has placed you. See, this is a crucial word. The elders were appointed by Paul with his co-workers. But here, Paul said, all the elders were placed into the church by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has placed you as overseers, not rulers, to shepherd, not to rule the church of God, which he obtained through his own blood. This verse has a lot element of the so-called theology. Number one, you have to see the church existing is altogether due to the Holy Spirit. It is not due to the apostles. Although it was the apostles that appointed the elders, yet Paul admitted that was the Holy Spirit, his work. By this you can see a church comes into existence must be all the way through the work of the Holy Spirit. In other words, whatever the apostles did with the churches, that should be absolutely the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the Holy Spirit that established the elders, so it was the Holy Spirit that established the churches. Ron, this is a very, very touching point at the end of verse 28. Let me read this verse. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among whom the Holy Spirit has placed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he obtained through his own blood. We could say a lot about this verse, Ron, but since our time is short today, maybe you could just comment on the intimate phrase here, the Holy Spirit has placed some as overseers to shepherd the church of God. Let's begin with the fact honored by Paul that the Holy Spirit appointed or designated and then manifested certain brothers in a locality as the overseers, which equals elders. The elder is the person, the overseer. That term refers to the function. So clearly, the authority in the church is no human being. It's not a group of human beings. It's the Spirit himself. Then Paul points out to what function these brothers as overseers were appointed. It was not to rule. It was not to exercise authority. It was to shepherd the flock of God. And I love the definition of shepherding that has been mentioned in various times in Brother Lee's ministry. To shepherd is to render all-inclusive, tender care of the flock. And so the elders, the overseers, need to have such a heart 
to care tenderly and all-inclusively for the church as God's flock. And Paul strikingly says, the church which God purchased with his own blood, referring, as we know from studying other portions of the New Testament, that is the blood of Jesus, God's Son. But that expression reveals how precious the church is to God, what a treasure it is to him, how valuable it is the pearl of great price in the parable in Matthew 13. So Paul obviously had this kind of spirit and heart toward the church, toward the saints. That's why he said in Acts 20 that he withheld nothing back from God's full counsel. He taught them publicly and from house to house, beseeching with tears. He mentions that more than once. This shows the kind of heart that he had. He himself was serving under the direction of the Holy Spirit, rendering all-inclusive tender care to the flock, regarding the church as a treasure to God. Therefore, he had the integrity and the spiritual reality to back up his commission to the overseers, to shepherd and to remember the church is exceedingly precious to God who redeemed that church at a tremendous cost, the blood of Jesus, his son. It seems that the main function of the shepherd is to lead the flock of God to the pasture where there's nourishment and food. And we really pray every day that this broadcast will serve that same function for all of those listening. We want this to be spiritually nourishing and not just informative. Ron, thanks for being with us today. Hope you'll come back very soon. Thanks for asking me to share in this program. We also hope that those of you listening will come back very soon as we continue this life study of the Book of Acts. If you'd like to uh, contact us to find out about receiving printed material from this ministry or where you can access uh, most of it online and be able to read it free of charge, our toll-free number is one 543 3788 That's 888-LIFE-STUDY. Or you can send email to us, radio at lsm.org. For Ron Kangas, this is Chris Wilde. Thanks very much for listening today. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Witness Lee spent seven decades in the 20th century speaking Christ, first in Asia and then North America, eventually all over the world. The culmination of those 70 years of ministry was his Life Study of the Bible, an exhaustive exposition of the entire scriptures. This unique commentary focuses on how Christ can be life to man in an experiential and practical way. These programs encapsulate Witness Lee's speaking in just 26 minutes. But to get the complete riches, visit lifestudy.com. From there, you can read all of the Life Study messages in their entirety or download any of our more than 1,700 audio programs at no cost. Again, that website is lifestudy.com. 
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. Thanks for listening.